coming up on this week's episode of Last Week. This week, Valentine's Day weekend is coming and gone. But AEW and NXT are still vying for the affection of one Mr. YLP himself. After last week's episodes of AEW Dynamite and NXT, we will find out today who was able to steal the heart of Mr. YLP himself and take a 2-1 series lead in the Wednesday Night War, given the fact that AEW Dynamite had an amazing episode of Dynamite, where we had the main event of Kenny Omega and Kenta taking on John Moxley and Lance Archer. Everything that's going on within the inner circle wasn't enough to beat the black and gold standard. On the flip side, NXT with their go-home episode before NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day had three semifinal matches to determine who would be in the finals of the respective men's and women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. Who would make it to Vengeance Day and who unfortunately had to go home? This is an episode you do not want to miss, people. Will NXT make it two in a row? Or will AEW stop the streak before it even starts? You will find that out today. And I got pretty much nothing more to say about this. So uh, with that being said, let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. Buzz Buzz, this is the HBIC, the K. Murphy of Kings of the Rings podcast, and you are listening to Young Lions Perspective, exclusively here on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. What's going on, y'all? Happy Monday. Welcome to episode three of last week. This week, the show where we pit AEW against NXT in the fight to see who would gain brand supremacy. According to Mr. YLP himself, he believes in his mind NXT takes the victory for week three as NXT now has a two-week winning streak and takes the series so far two to one. Just in case you didn't know, you listen to this podcast, of course, on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, anchor.fm slash online perspective, anchor.fm slash radio over on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to the Addict Radio family of podcasts. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, or comments about today's episode, or if you thought AEW actually took the victory this week, or if you felt, yes, NXT was the rightful winner of last week's episode, hit me up with an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Hit me up on my social media over on Twitter at YLPerspective, at young underscore lions underscore perspective over on Instagram, and over on Facebook at younglionsperspective. All one word is if you search for young. Lions Perspective Podcast. It is Monday, 
February 15, 2021. Valentine's weekend has come and gone. And hopefully you enjoyed the weekend with your significant other. Mr. Wild P himself actually uh, would like me to really uh, message me a certain future Mrs. YLP that uh, he sends all the love in the world to you, future Mrs. Wild, future Mrs. Wild B, and that he knows that he is there with you even though you are not with him. All the love in the world sent to you. So, NXT. According to Mr. YLP himself, was able to actually pull out the victory. But according to him, he says this, and I quote, it was closer than you thought. Much closer than you thought. It was just NXT go-home shows just always seemed to hit a little different before takeover specials. And what he also told me was that AEW, fortunately fell into the NXT Go Home episode trap, as he likes to call it. Given the fact that AEW, yes, they did have a solid episode last week. It was a fallout episode from Beach Break. And I have to say, AEW Dynamo wasn't a kick-ass episode. Well, it was. It was just, when it comes to Go Home episodes, NXT just simply knows how to do it. It's a tried and true formula. And we'll be talking about that later on in today's episode. But just so you know, we get the scoreboard up here. NXT 2, AEW 1. But without further ado, let's get into why NXT was able to eke out the victory this week. And you know, you want to know why? You want to know why the one big thing? The one big thing that allowed NXT... To gain the victory this week, not only was NXT building towards NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, they continued to work on storylines that weren't involving anyone on the NXT TakeOver card and already have this Wednesday show, in a sense, ready to go. It is a formula they have been using ever since they were doing taped episodes on the WWE Network. I'll explain. In the before time, before NXT went live, they were able to do taped episodes, plenty of them, in fact, and they did them quite well, having a month's worth of shows ready to go while allowing them to go on tour, do their thing, come back, do another set, rinse, repeat, get the takeover, do the takeover show, but before that, have a taped episode of NXT take of NXT at, at, at the NXT takeover where they were going to be at. That allowed them to pretty much reset, get back to Florida, to uh, Full Sail University, and prepare for that week to take that week's episode, that month's episodes. Do a whole month's worth, rinse, repeat. But the one thing NXT has been consistent on with their stuff is that they, like I said, their go home shows usually are absolute fantastic shows to watch because not only did NXT. Not only was NXT able to be able to have you ready for Vengeance Day yesterday, they actually got you prepared for what was going to be happening a little bit beyond. Of course, we had the whole Karrion Cross situation. Um, Scarlett going into Mr. William Regal's office, 
uh, pretty much saying Santos's time is up, and they want a match to go next week. Regal gave it the okay, and we pretty much we were leaning forward this anyway. Cameron Grimes came back, much to the chagrin, I'm assuming, of one Asian K. Murphy, and uh, pulled and has now and now is involved in a little bit of a storyline where. He was out for a little while due to the injury Timothy Thatcher gave him and pretty much uh, started playing video games and, you know, really much enjoyed them. And once he finished all those, he went over to GameStop and um, somehow, some way bought into the whole GameStop situation with the stocks and became a uh, millionaire off of that. Then he heard about this thing called Dogcoin, referring to uh, Dogecoin, the uh, crypto currency deal and bought into that and also then became even more richer than he already was after the GameStop uh, stock bubble. And now his his bank account was going to the moon. (laughs) Don't worry. Yeah. Just, yeah. I love the fact that they use the social commentary for this. I love... And, and here's the thing, too. It makes Cameron, Cameron Grimes the perfect character for this. Man pulls up in a nice little Porsche joint. Or it might have been Lambo. I can't remember. I don't know cars. I felt like me. I know wrestling, though. But <laughs> I know sports, though. But, yeah, cars. Mm. Cars are cars. As long as it gets me to A and B, it's not an issue. But um, they really, really, really thought about it very well. And let Cameron Grimes come back proper like and the best way to do it, have him become a millionaire. <laughs> now he is technically the richest man in all of NXT. I guess Kona Reeves can't say he's the finest anymore, can he? Motherfucker. <laughs> but I love that, that they actually were able to pull this off. And if there's one thing I do enjoy, one perfect detail that I do like about certain character development, it's that when you're able to use a sense of realism and you're able to use it properly, Again, Cameron Grimes is now a millionaire after he bought into the GameStop stocks and bought into the whole Dogecoin joint, threw some money in there, and got rich as fuck. Trust me, uh, me personally, I got into Dogecoin for about a hot minute, and I lost, I lost buku money. I'm lying. I didn't, lose, I didn't lose a lot of money. I only played 30 bucks in that bitch, and I just lost it, and I got it down to 24. I got out. I was like, screw that noise. I'm not geek. But, hey, do you... Get your pay- by all means, as Cat Williams say, make your paper boo boo. But they really, really, with with everything that was going on with the you know setting finishing the setting the table for uh, NXT Over Vengeance Day, they were able to actually still add more to the storylines, as well as Zayalin, um, pretty much uh coming out with uh, various weapons and doing her thing thing with those. I saw the sword that she had uh, for last week's episode and my heart was just like, I need that sword. <laughs> I want it. Where can I find it when I need it? <laughs> That's, I, I, I love you some swords and, and, and katana blades and all that. For those of you who don't know, I support I support the Second Amendment, but I also like blades more. Um, does that make me sound weird? Probably a little morbid. Eh, it depends on what day you catch me. But, um, yeah, this portion of the program now, during her match with Cora Jade, which was, like, literally 
three minutes. It wasn't even that much of a match. It was just, you know, we get in, do things, get out. You had Casey Cannizzaro and Caden Carter not so much interfering in the matchup, but trying to, you know, realize that's not the Lee that we know. That's not our friend. This is not who you are. This isn't you. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. I loved all of it. Because now we're getting a little bit more development in Zia character. And the story with her and uh, Mei Lin, or Mei Lan, or as, uh, as they know in the story, uh, Tian Sha, the, uh, the daughter of the king who uh, ran away in exile due to her brother killing uh, their father to take over and rule the land with an iron fist. Mei Lin King had to learn from a dragon. Uh, put her through four grueling stages in order to uh, get to uh, the power that she had in order to defeat her brother, unfortunately losing her soul in the process. And now she is here in NXT, apparently thousands of years old. And if she is, I want to know uh, who her skincare motherfucker is, because apparently her skin is quite nice. But that's the thing, too. They not only that, that is a hell of a two pronged approach, and something NXT has done quite well for many, many years. So it's one thing for, you know, just for us, all of us to focus on NXT TakeOver, have our minds prepared in NXT TakeOver, have it all prepared, all good to go, and enjoy the show as is, because we know it was a banger, and you know this. I mean, with, you know, two Dusty Cup tag team finals, and then you got three championship matches, why wouldn't you love NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day? It was awesome. You know it. We both know it. Just, just let it happen. Um, <laughs> ah! But yes, that was probably the biggest reason why NXT took the win this week. It, for the simple fact that they were getting everything prepared. They were, sh- they were making sure everything was straight. Crossed their T's, out of their eyes. Got you, got you even more hyped for Vengeance Day. And with the video package they, packages they had for the Women's Championship, which they really fucking hyped. Uh, Balor Dunn, they really fucking hyped. Uh, we got, the, of course, the uh, tag matches, which we'll be talking about in a second, for the, uh, for the Dusty Finals, for the men's and the women's side. And just really, you know, tied up some loose ends and got us prepared to get more prepared for other storylines that they were already working on. Now they're going to start with those more so over the next month to month and a half as we're on the road to WrestleMania 37. Now, I'm not saying that TakeOver is going to be having a spot during WrestleMania weekend, because usually that would be reserved for that if um, WrestleMania was a one-night deal, but they're going to be doing two nights. So assuming that if they even try to, it will be a TakeOver on a Friday, which I don't think they would be able to pull off. So they may be doing something after the fact. Who knows? We'll figure it out when we get to that point. But that's what I truly enjoyed about NXT this week, is the simple fact that Excuse me. The simple fact that they got you even more ready to go for Vengeance Day and got you ready and prepared for storylines that are going to be taking place after Vengeance Day was over. Like I said, it's a tried and true formula. It works, always has worked, always will work. And if it ain't broke, they ain't going to try to fix it whatsoever. You and I both know that. And speaking of the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic, on the men's and women's side. More so, we're going to focus on um, the men's. 
in this case. Um, don't get it twisted, though. The women's match that they had, the other semifinal between uh, Shotzi and Amber versus Candice and Indy. We'll be talking about that later on in our final point of this segment. So it'll all make sense when we get there. But this is what I wrote. This is, a, this is what I have here written down in my notes. You know, they always say styles make fights, right? If any boxing fan knows this, styles always make fights. MMA, same scenario. Styles will always make fights. And when done correctly, you get a hell of a match out of it. In terms of the two semifinal matches in the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament, both of them lived up to the old saying, 100%. I was thoroughly impressed by all it meant in these two matchups because of how well they worked together. With MSK and Legato del Fantasma, this was... A, this was definitely more of a high-flying, uh, lucha style. Not so much a strong style action, but definitely a lot of more, more high-flying, more fast-paced, more intense matchup. Um, so you could, and with the uh, Timothy Thatcher, Tommaso Ciampa versus GYV, it was definitely more so of a strong style, slow-down, methodical, beat-your-face-in matchup. So both of these matches really lived up to the styles make fights saying you know msk and legato del fantasma had hella good chemistry in this matchup timothy thatcher and tomas Chamba taking on gyb they had their their styles paired very well together when you have this these pairings and when you do them properly they can make for excellent matches msk legato del fantasma open up opening up the show was the right call here and they really kicked off the night properly. I was thoroughly, thoroughly pleased with the entirety of this matchup. I was I was just happy with this. And, of course, MSK, after a hard-fought matchup, gained the victory and punched their ticket to the finals of the tournament that went down this past uh, last night. Um, if you want to actually know... Um, who we, who myself and uh, King Ricky Rose have predicted, you can head over to the Wrestle Addict Radio YouTube page and you can see exactly how we did with that. Um, I also uh, tweeted, it, tweeted it out yesterday um, on my Twitter. So if you were following me on YL at YL Perspective, you would have known about that. If not, follow me, damn it. Let you know. Let you know these things, man. Um, definitely make sure you check that out. Uh, new, new video over on YouTube just to see how we did. You know, if you think if you think we did shitty, who knows? We probably did. Um, <laughs> now, mind you, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am recording this before NXT Takeover Vengeance Day, so anything that happens, I'm assuming it was a banger of a show, and I'm also assuming that um, you watched our video beforehand. But it bees what it bees, nonetheless. We shall continue. MSK Legato del Fantasma was the kind of matchup that you definitely wanted to see. This had this. Had, I really would have liked to see this with a crowd. Um, I know with COVID going on, we can't have that, but I do love the fact that both teams' styles fit very well together. This could be a this could be a matchup we could see somewhere down the line in 2021 as well. I would love to see this match again. I would love to see this match again. This was just a fantastic match to open up the show. I mean, when you see somebody. Jumping off someone, uh, what was it? Um, with while jumping off of 
Nash Carter's back to go for an assisted 450 splash. That was crazy. And it unfortunately landed on the knees of Wesley. That was crazy. That was absolutely bananas. Um, MSK going with the hot fire flame is what they're calling it. Off of the apron, the backflip summer, uh, backflip, um, what was it? The backflip moonsault. And the, mind you, the timing they had on that is just impeccable. I mean, mind you, that's some trust you have to have in your boy. In order to be like, yo, I'm a backflip off this apron. And I need you to push me. Time it well and land that. Then off of that, Lee goes off goes off and then does a somersault plancha, which was bananas. Okay, this was just no walk in the park, we're gonna hold hands type deal. This was I'ma beat your ass type stuff. Springboard missile drop kicks, twisting vertical suplexes, spinning back kicks. I mean, this this match really made me jump out of my seat. I literally jumped off the couch watching this. And I this was just one of those matches you had to enjoy. I mean, these are two teams we are definitely going to see in the future vying for NXT Tag Team Championships. I see a, I definitely see a few with these two in 2021, hands down. Um, there's no no two ways about it. This was literally, we are not slowing down for anything. And that was the kind of, that's the kind of match you want to see. You know, with this, with two teams like this, you definitely want to see a back and forth, you know, just in your face, intense matchup. They made all of this just perfect. They made all of this just absolutely well done. And I got to say, they really, really did themselves a good service to be able to simply just wow me and get me out of my seat. And that's a well done thing. When you can do that, hey, you got something going here. Well done by both teams to open up the show. The matchup that closed out the show in the main event this week was the GYV and Thatcher and Ciampa. This was just clear cut, back and forth. I'm going to punch you in the face and I'm going to get punched in the face and let's see who falls first. Let's see who gets dropped first. This was this was technical, methodical, had a very good pace. There was no point in the matchup where I was just on my I was looking at my phone. Anything of the sort. When I saw that Thatcher and Champa were going to be in the tournament, you know, after carrying cross destroyed uh, Desmond Troy and uh, Adonis Ashanti the Adonis. Got to make sure I say it right. Um I wasn't sure who that was going to replace them. And when we found out it was Champa and Thatcher, I was thinking, oh, that is interesting. That is a very interesting situation you have here. But when you have a team that is formed out of respect after the fight pick, they're going to do everything just, oh, my God. I mean, I was just, I was blown away with, you know, how well these two teams worked together. Because, it's one of, because sometimes when you have tournaments and you have makeshift teams, the thing with that is the only thing you're going to wonder about is, you know, is this, you know, pairing going to work? And you have to have a solid reason as to why you want this to work. 
this works. This absolutely works. And the promo they cut together uh, before the matchup with GYV was just as good, if not better. I was thoroughly happy with this. And, I, I, and so they said, now, um, last week, we went to war with the Undisputed Era. It was rough. It was brutal. Just the way we like it. Tonight, we battled last year's finalists. GYV, our former NXT UK Tag Team Champions, and a couple of tough dudes. But that, the Grizzly Young Veterans, the irony. You can say you're whatever you want, but the fact is, Toothless Timmy and Old Man Champa are going to whoop your ass. Then on Sunday, Vengeance Day, we win the tournament and take the Dusty Cup. Class dismissed. These are two intense dudes going up against two intense dudes. And they gave us the uh, one hell of a main event that really, really just didn't slow down. You know, Champa and Thatcher attacking GYB before the bell even rang uh, as uh, Gibson was cutting a promo. You know, just all that on the outside and just wonderful. That was a great way to start the matchup, you know. Champa and Thatcher are not here to play, you know, you know, we're not playing Randy around the Rosie with this shit. We're trying to fight. You want to fight? Let's fight. Want to get it? We can get it in. So they, they wasted no damn time um, doing that. The ending of this matchup, I think, was solid. And it made a lot of sense, which shows that GYV definitely easily does their homework. And here's so here's how it went down. This is pretty much the last portion of the program. So Champa had a series of clotheslines after the hot tag. Uh, two German suplexes, comes up with an air raid crash, on top of Gibson, gets a two count out of that, unloads three knife-edge chops, uh, goes for the very tail ending, Drake denies it, Champa clubbing blows on uh, Drake's back, then drives Drake back back first into the turnbuckles, uh, Gibson gets the tag, starts throwing haymakers on Champa, goes for a vertical suplex, with uh, Champa landing back on his feet, makes Gibson eat a hardcore chop, we get a forearm change for the two, uh, Champa then slaps that, that uh, Thatcher in the face by accident. Uh, Champa hits a pump knee strike. I think it was uh, might have been Gibson. Uh, Gibson nails Champa with a throat thrust, which makes the Mongolian chops seem all types of. Uh, Gibson then hits the deadlift vertical suplex, tags in Drake, drop kicks Thatcher off of the apron, which was bananas. Doomsday device only got a two count out of that. Uh, Gibson throws Thatcher over the top rope. Um, they have a forearm palm strike exchange, and then out of nowhere, you just see a Kobe. Drake hitting the sewer style dive on the outside, um, which was, I was just, <laughs> like, you just see Thatcher choke Gibson, slap him one time with the one piece, and then you just see Drake out of nowhere just coming out, hitting uh, Thatcher, pretty much leaving him incapacitated. Um, he goes back up in the apron. Champa catches him, goes, tries to go for the Willow's Bell, but Drake, uh, Gibson had the wherewithal to hold it on to Dr- uh, Drake's legs. Um, allowing uh, Champa to fall on his back and hurt himself a little bit, and that was that was a nice little save there. That was the main detail. They knew if that point was coming, if he was in the apron and he catches you, he's going for Willow's belt. Gibson had to wear with all the hold on Drake's legs before the DDT hit. Smart move on their part. Drake cabs and uh, Drake tags and Gibson hits taking to Mayhem, and now we have the final with MSK. And G-Y-V. Both of these matchups were absolutely incredible. Incredible. 
wonderful semifinal matches. And now we and then we have MSK and GYV in the final. And man, that's a matchup anybody in their grandmama would be willing to see. And finally, I know I'm going a bit long, but don't mind me. Sometimes you gotta go a little long, you know, not to keep things short. You can fool some people some of the time, but you can't fool everyone all the time. Johnny Gargano tried to pull a fast one on everybody with the so-called injury he had after the backstage brawl with Kushida a couple weeks ago. But William Regal, nor Kushida, was close to being convinced. So we see, of course, Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae going out to the ring for the semifinal matchup against um, Shotzi, Blackheart, and Ember Moon. Before that happened, though, well, yeah, we had Mr. Uh, Mr. Takeover himself coming out in a wheelchair and an arm brace. And in my mind was saying, self, um, we know dang well, ain't nothing wrong, nothing wrong, paralyzed as Mr. Gargano. To which I replied, self, I think you may be right in this case. Because, well, it only makes sense. I mean, if you got your arm hurt, possibly arm brace, that's fine. But wheelchair now? Mm, kind of a weird flex. Kind of a simple, odd flex, wouldn't it be? Anywho, so we make it to the ring. They have to lift Gargano up into the ring. And uh, they stick Gargano on the top rope, get the wheelchair. Candace making sure Johnny's okay before Theory carries him to the chair. Crowd started chanting, Johnny Wheelchair. I laughed. Johnny says, Before Candace and Andy punch their tickets to take over, I have some unfortunate news. What we are seeing is the result of a vicious and cowardly attack by Kushida last week. I was minding my own business, but... Fans chanting, you deserve it. I do not deserve this. I was minding my own business when Kushida attacked me for no good reason and then broke my arm. They show the footage of the brawl they had last week, and then Candace, of course, covering Johnny's eyes so he doesn't have to see it. He claims to have four fractures in his upper arm. He says, not only am I a lefty, I am a well-known power walker. I swing my arms hard when I walk. Now I can't because it hurts, and now I'm in a wheelchair, and I hit wheels, so it's all bad. Fans still chanting Johnny wheelchair. And then he states, the worst part about this is now I can't defend my NXT North American Championship against Kushida at TakeOver. It sucks. I really wanted to have that match. But Kushida should be suspended indefinitely for injuring the most beloved member of the NXT locker room. Unfortunately, William Regal knows something Johnny also knew as well. He says, Regal states, we're supposed to be moving on to the Women's Dusty Cup semifinals. And we all know the NXT medical team cleared you yesterday. So stop with this ridiculous charade. Charade? Do I look like Dennis Sherrodman? Not bad. Actually, that's not a bad flex. That was nice. I thought that was a good line. I'm not. I won't trust the quacks in medical. I went to my doctor. And, of course, he shows the x-rays, four fractures, saying Kushida broke the longest and strongest bone in my arm. Regal asks him, what is the name of that bone you broke? I don't know. It starts with a D or something. I'm not a giant doctor. Regal then breaks it down chapter in verse. That's not a real x-ray. That R is for the right arm. And you are talking about your left. Second, 
that isn't your x-ray because you'd be excruciating pain. No, remember? I can kick out of anything because I have a very high pain threshold. Proof is in the imploding. In the x-ray, that R is probably for real. And it says John Gargano. So that is totally legit. Regal lays down the law. Either you can have Austin Theory be a surrogate and the match with Kushida later tonight will be for the NXT North American Championship. Theory's all for it. Gargano saying, uh-uh. No way. That's not a pun. Option two would be Gargano would forfeit the title immediately. He then states he needs a couple of weeks, maybe months, and I will rehab my arm. It'll be turned into a montage and a music video. The return will be great. Pretty much after that, Kushida was already there. Shilin. And Regal asked him, well, maybe you should ask Kushida-san what he thinks. Didn't take long to figure out uh, theory. It's a fastball punch from Kushida. T- goes for the belt. Pulls Gargano out of the chair. They start a tug of war with the belt. Gargano yanks the belt immediately, and he's holding it up with his broken left arm. You tried, though, Pimpin. Didn't work. It's a fastball pitch for his uh, troubles. Gargano falls into the wheelchair, falling over. In- Candace is going bananas. And they have been exposed. Hardcore oof. Large oof. Unfortunately for Candace and Indy, one one half of the way didn't get their way as Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart were able to move on to the finals of the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament. Even bigger, even bigger oof going on. Of course, after Candace uh, hits uh, Shotzi with the Wicked Stepsister, Goes for the springboard macho elbow. Ember breaks the cover. Um, Indy's, the impressive elbow wasn't able to be complete. Ember and Candice brawling on the outside. Indy dragons Shotzi up. Shotzi then trips. Indy up. Rolls for the roll up. Get a one out of that. Indy goes to the corner. Shotzi runs in. Hits the Shining Wizard to the draping DDT. Shotzi goes on the apron. Then uh, Shotzi kicks Candice right into the eclipse, which was which, by a by way. That Eclipse is one of the cleanest moves you will ever see in WWE, hands down. It is so clean, so smooth, so buttery. You can't help but love it. But Indy, trying to save Candice after the shot, goes for the super back senton anyway. And unfortunately, Indy forgot that um, she was actually the legal woman in the matchup. Shotzi and Ember win, and now punching their ticket into the finals. It got even more large oof when Theory took on Kushida. Now, this ended basically in a disqualification because reasons. Uh, at one point, um, well, pretty much the match ended with uh, Kushida going for an arm bar, trying to go for the, uh, the cross arm breaker. But Gargano super kicking Kushida. Good range on the outside. So Kushida and Garg- uh, Gargano and Kushida pretty much. Um, Attacking Kushida on the outside, uh, pulling out the arm brace, and it's a miracle. It healed. It never... Whatever. Uh, they start throwing fists on Kushida's face. Theory keeps Kushida from falling over. Gargano rubs the title in his face. They start stomping on Kushida. He says, I'm going to mess Kushida's up. You know. So he says, yeah, let's mess his up, arm up with a chair. Gargano's like, yeah. Goes to fetch the steel chair. Kushida puts Kushida, uh, Theory puts Kushida in the ring. But Theory gets dragged underneath the ring. 
Gargano running over, trying to get Theory out, but instead dragging out Dexter Loomis without even realizing it. Weight difference, my friend. You'll figure it out. He's running for his life. He runs up the ramp. Theory drags himself out and thinks he's hugging Johnny, but freaks out when he realizes it's Loomis. Theory runs into the ring, right into the hoverboard Kamura lock by Kushida. Organo tries to run back into the ring after Kushida, but he gets uh, dragged down into the hoverboard. He's trying to break the arm now before TakeOver Vengeance Day. Theory tries to get involved, but Loomis drags him into the silence. Night-night hold. And that's how pretty much that all ended for the way last Wednesday. Like I said, they did a lot to get you prepared for Vengeance Day. They did the entire build from War Games until Vengeance Day really was well done. I have to say, this is probably one of their better builds from TakeOver to TakeOver in quite some time. And honestly, this is one of those things where you have to appreciate everything they have done for the past couple of months. And, you know, with the Dusty Cup on men's and the women's side, you know, them and uh, Mr. William Regal announcing that the winner of the women's side uh, would become, uh, would get a future shot at the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. That was a great announcement. So, um, we, because I had a feeling that, you know, whoever won this needed to get the next shot or at least somewhere in the next shot for the Women's Tag Team Championship. They deserve that much. So, it was definitely one of those things where I'm just like, you know what? I can get behind that. They did a lot. The only one thing I was kind of confused about and which they didn't need to do was the ending of um, last week's episode where they had pretty much everybody just, you know, break. I don't know why they would have to break down the last little bit, the entire card once again. We already know the card. We knew the card, and that was kind of a demerit on their part. Um, so they had, of course, uh, every person who had a matchup against each other. They were barking at each other, talking smack, whatever. And then you had Balor and Dunn in the ring. Uh, to end up the episode, it wasn't needed. Honestly, I didn't need it. What's didn't need it at all. So it was one of those things where I was just like, we didn't need that, but I get why they did it. But nonetheless, NXT goes to two and one so far, and, and AEW unfortunately goes down to one and two. But when we come back, we're gonna talk about what happened last week for AEW Dynamite with the Fallout episode from Beach Break. And trust me when I tell you, there was a lot to talk about. The other side of episode three of last week, this week, stay tuned. We'll be right back. What is up, peeps? This is Mr. Fretz here to tell you about my podcast, Fretzelmania, every Saturday on the Wrestle Addict radio feed where I review the best and worst in modern and retro pro wrestling. So join me as I keep wrestling real right here on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode three of last week. 
This weekend, unfortunately, for the second week in a row, AEW has to play second fiddle, but that doesn't mean they didn't have a kick-ass episode of AEW Dynamite. That just means NXT was just a little bit better than AEW Dynamite was last week. And honestly, the fallout from Beach Break, we knew something was going to be going down as we were on the road to AEW Revolution going down on March 7th. So I'm sure there were plenty, so we all know that there were plenty of storylines to keep an eye on as we were on the road to Revolution. And let's not waste any more of your time. Let's get right into it. There are a few things in life that I truly have respect for. People who come from hard times, it's been a huge change in the world. People who remain steadfast in their beliefs, no matter who may oppose them. The one thing I have the most respect people who say they're going to do something, and they actually do it. Sammy Guevara, back in December, I believe December 21st, to be exact, last year, stated that if one more thing happened that went haywire within the inner circle, he would leave. For good. But Sherika understood that and gave him the blessing instead of that. Last week, kept true to his word. Wait, the inner circles. Let's talk about what went down. That's how we got to this point. So, we had Sammy Guevara with the cameras following him after a nice little uh, John Moxley promo talking about uh, him versus Kento on the 26th. And of course, you know, hyping up the main event later on that night. He guys, the cam- Sammy Guevara has cameras following him into the Inner Circle's private room. MJF looks into it. I was looking all over for you. He says, Warlow, Hager, Satana, Ortiz, I need a minute with Max. Was it MJF? He's like, I'm good. They leave. So now it's Sammy, MJF, and the cameras. So, so MJF asking, what do you want to say? He says, I watched Dynamite last week. I know what you're doing. MJF says to him, people are alluding this all the time. So I want you to say it yourself. Sammy says, I know you're just trying to take over the inner circle. Oh, is that right? Yes, it's so obvious, and you're making it more obvious every week. MGF states, when I first got here, I thought this was a pretty childish, childish petty rivalry for me. Honestly, I figured you were just jealous. Why wouldn't you be? You were the apple of Jer- Chris Jericho's eye, and it's like him. The sex gods dies. Why, too? MJF is the new favorite. But then I've realized something more sinister. This isn't jealousy. I think you hate Jericho. You hate to play second fiddle, fiddle to Jericho. Sammy says, she says, you think you should be front man of the inner circle, don't you? And MJ thinks Sammy is upset because he wants to take over the team. He's like, okay, okay, you figure me out. I want to take over the inner circle. I hate Jericho. Is that what you want to hear? Yes, actually. MJF then grabs his phone. Sammy realizes and asks him, you're recording this on your phone? Takes it, snatches it against the wall, then low blows MJF one shot right to the rib joint. Might hit his dick. We don't know. Sammy looks at him and leaves MJF whimpering like a little bitch. Later on that night, MJF and uh, Chris Jericho are supposed to go two-on-two with the acclaimed in a tag, nice little tag team uh, matchup. But before the matchup came, it's Jericho, Wardlow, and Hager waiting, uh, waiting on MJF. Jericho says not to worry. MJF will be out here. MJF is just warming up because that is what number one contenders do. Sammy, uh, Santana, and Ortiz 
say, yo, he's in the trainer's room. MJF hobbles over with ribs hit, asking, you know, as Jericho saw what happened, he tells him, Sammy sucker punched me in the ribs like an animal. What? He says, I, he says to him, I might have broken one of my ribs. They ask where, where Sammy is. He's like, I'm supposed to know. He's, Jericho's like, we have to focus on the match first. We'll worry about Sammy later. So they have the matchup. Not bad. Not a bad matchup. You know, it bees what it bees. Not a, like I said, that, not a bad matchup. Uh, with MJF and Chris Jericho, of course, getting the victory, but the matchup is kind of a little bit of, a, of background noise to me personally, because this is more about the inner circle and what's going on with it. So, Sammy Guevara comes out after the matchup, grabs a mic, goes down to the ring, MJF hiding behind Jericho, like a little bitch. Jericho asks him, what's going on, man? You come out late, you're hitting MJF, smashing phones, what's the problem? Oh, I actually got the date wrong, my bad. Sammy says, I told you so. December 9th, actually, 2020. If one more thing happened with MJF, I was done. I'm here to tell you in person, I'm done. Sammy asks Jericho, Jericho asks Sammy what he means by that. He's like, I'm done. I quit the inner circle. Sammy Guevara is now out. Of the inner circle, much to the happiness of MJF, of course, who during the entire spiel was pretty much, you know, just like, oh, you know, faking like, oh my god, he's even, oh my god, oh my god, he's even the inner circle, oh my god, no. Fretz, you're becoming more and more right with every passing day, my dude. It's looking good. It's looking good so far for you, Mr. Fretz. But I'm still holding on to my theory, of course. That simply is, he's trying to implode the inner circle. My theory is looking dumber every day now. But, and here's here's the one detail I truly enjoyed about this. After he told Jericho he quit the inner circle, he didn't go into the back through the heel entrance. He went through the babyface tunnel. This was basically Sammy Guevara's babyface turn. He told Jericho straight up, if one more thing happened with MJF, I'm done. Jericho understood that. Jericho said, okay, I got you. I don't think Jericho really thought he was going to go through it. But he did. Stuck to his word. He said, if, if like he said, one more thing happens, I'm out. It happened. I'm out. After the break, Alex Marvez tried to interview Sammy, but he tells Marvez, my reasons for leaving don't really matter anymore. I'm just over this. I'm just gonna refocus with some time away. So he's gonna be going away for a while. Get his mind right. And pretty much just letting Jericho know I'm done. So now, MJF, Wardlow, Chris Jericho, Santana, Ortiz, and now Jake Hager are left. If Fretz's question holds true, Jericho's next. Jericho will be next on the chopping block. Which wouldn't honestly surprise me given the fact that 
MJF Chris Jericho still needs to happen. If we're being truthfully honest about this, it needs to happen. It has to happen. And this could be your kind of your lead up to double or nothing. Sammy Guevara going away for a while, coming back, challenging MJF to a matchup, all that good stuff. But MJF Jericho is going to be happening in 2021. And if that's the case, then MJF may take over the inner circle. And that wouldn't be a bad thing. It would be an interesting storyline if that's if that actually happens. But Chris Jericho MGF does still need to happen this year. So, I mean, this could be the lead up, the beginning to the lead up of a matchup between those two at double or nothing, which honestly, I wouldn't be mad at at all, but I'm not surprised Sammy Guevara left the group. I knew it was going to happen. I mean, Sammy Guevara was trying to inform Chris Jericho, man. I was There was always something about him I didn't like, but no one wanted to listen. So, if one more thing happened, I was out. And I'm out. He's gone. And unfortunately now for Chris Jericho, he might be next in the chopping block. And that, that would kind of suck. Because the group that he created, he might meet his own demise within the group. But we'll see what happens. And, uh, We'll see what goes down within the next coming weeks as we head towards AEW Revolution. Kenny Omega, Kenta, John Moxley, and Lance Archer deserve all the praise in the world for the show they put on last week in the main event of AEW Dynamite. For my money, Mr. YLP himself got buku bucks. I do not. Apparently, he got in on the GameStop stuff as well. Didn't let me know about that. Thanks. And apparently, he knew about Dogecoin too, but and that wasn't my thing. For my money, though, this may end up being one of the greatest, if not the greatest, main events the AEW Dynamite has put on so far in their show's history. This main event was bananas. You're talking about four men. The likes of Archer, Moxley, Kenta, Omega. Two former IWGP heavyweight, United States heavyweight champions. The current briefcase holder of the battle rights contract for John Moxley's IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Mm. Did you expect anything less than than chaos? Because I didn't. I loved it. <sighs> Beautiful things. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. I mean, you had Hella Pyro, Crazy Pyro. I, I think everybody's still going crazy over the fact that Kent is now a part of AEW somewhat. Which is a beautiful thing. Um, and the fact that you have the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship 
on full display in AEW is also a beautiful thing. I was just thoroughly happy with everything that happened. Thoroughly pleased, thoroughly impressed with all of it. I mean, we had... Oh my god, fucking... The double stomp off of the stage through the timekeeper's table on Moxley by Kenta. You had choke slams. You had moon salts. You had uh, Lance Archer pulling old school on uh, Omega. You had, you know, barbed wire bats, GTSs, Kataro Crushers. This match was insanity personified. You know, even even before even right when the bell started, Kenda used the briefcase to smack Moxley. Kenda used then uses the briefcase to smack Archer, and Archer's just like, dude, you know you fucked up. But Omega chop blocks the leg, throws the case into Archer's head, and then Omega hits the Kataro Crusher off that. That was a great way to start um this matchup. Fantastic way. And then all hell broke loose. Like I said, with the uh with the absolute you know, just jumping off the stage, double stomp right on the Moxley's heart. You know, overhead overhead suplexes right onto the ladder by uh, Archer. Onto the ladder. This this was just, yeah, this was honestly knock down, drag him out. Just, we use everything and anything in this matchup. So much so that they even use Peter Avalon's heart bed. I mean, so much to the point where Kenda hit a GTS on Avalon for, for saying that. Now we can go night-night on that bed. But this, oh my god. And then, you know, Archer then chokeslamming him, chokeslamming Omega through Avalon's bed, which was amazing. That this They used anything and everything during this matchup. I mean, the, I mean, the, the fact that I go back to just thinking about that double stomp off the table was just crazy. Simply crazy. Crowd crowd was going ballistic at that point. That was literally the highlight. The big highlight of that matchup was that double stomp through the table. Holy. Woo. But the ending, though, the ending was just, it made all the sense in the world in terms of BC things. You had... Omega getting ready for the uh, V-Trigger. I believe Archer was the one against the ropes. Oh, actually, before even that, um, out came, of course, Gallows and Anderson. Uh, I believe he was looking for, Archer was looking for, the, uh, what was it? Blackout, the inverted crucifix bomb. Omega slips out of that. Out come the Good Brothers. Uh, Archer pretty much beats the hell out of them for a hot minute. Kenna gets back in. Uh, spins Archer around, hits him with a backhand. Archer, Archer doesn't even flinch. Kenta goes for it again, runs into a boot afterwards. Anderson comes back in. Um, Archer goes for the choke slam, but goes for a choke slam. Eats a gunstun for his troubles. Anderson hits Archer. Jake Rieselman, uh hit him with a short arm clothesline. I believe that was John. Uh, Gallows comes in, uh, hits the hell stab onto uh, Moxley. 
Um, John is at Gatsby for air. It looks like he was going for uh, going, going for V-Trigger. Runs into the barbed wire bat of Moxley's. He starts swinging for the fences on the Good Brothers. Referees have to get... Uh, get oh, no, it was Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm sorry. Uh, he he was there. I completely forgot Jake was there. <laughs> My goodness. So, yeah, Jake was doing some... Jake was going crazy as well. Um, so, yeah, Jake uh, had the barbed wire bat swinging for, at everybody and their grandma. The referees get him away. Kenta uh, goes to the fireman's carry. He looks like he was going to go to sleep. Archer clubs Kenta, grabs Omega, then grabs Kenta. Go, but he's a double low blow. Good Brothers give Archer the magic killer. Hits the V trigger on Archer. They go up electric chair. So the Good Brothers, so he couldn't use, he couldn't hit him with the one winged angels on his own power. So we, they had the Good Brothers help Archer get up. He hits the one winged angel, and that was what it took to get the victory over Moxley and Archer. This was wild. This was just absolutely wild. And I was just loving every second of it. This was a one hell of... This is a main event to remember. This is one of those where this could end up being an honorable match of the year candidate, given the fact that, you know, it was just bonkers. Fallout show from AEW Dynamite after beach break. Just it's one of those things where you know it's going to be a dope match, but it, you don't know exactly what how dope it's going to be until you actually watch it for yourself. And we got one hell of a main event from last week, man. I tell you, this was just a, a fantastic main event. Great way to end the show. Um, last week for them, just absolutely killed it. And I, I again, I would actually watch this about four, five, six more times, um, just because it was just that crazy. Finally, from the AEW side of things, it's a shame that Hangman Page and the Dark Order aren't together at this very moment because it's something that Mr. Brody Lee truly wanted, and so did all of us, including myself. But when it comes to Matt Hardy, sir, you might learn the hard way what happens when you attempt to pull a fast one on someone who knows how to handle their liquor. And Matt Hardy again learned the hard way. Oops. So what happened with this situation is that um, Hangman, of course, was, um, I believe, doing, conducting an interview. I just want to find it real quick. My apologies. Tadashi comes out asking him about the victory that they had last week with Matt Hardy and will it become a regular thing. Hangman says, nah, not at all. Hardy comes over and says, I get it. You don't want to be in a team, but what we, what we had last week was special. We're special. At least let me treat you to an overdue celebration. I got a I got a whole place rented out. Drinks all night on me. I mean, same. Same with me. So I was just like, so I was like, uh, yeah, I'm in too. Can I come? Shit. He's like, well, I mean, on you. You're done. Yeah. Well, you put it that way. All right, let's go. I'll meet you out there. Gets his stuff real quick. He bumps into the Dark Order. Literally, every single one of them. Uh, Silver tried to explain, so they were just going this way. Hangman tried to, you know, say, I'm not about to hang out with Matt. They're cool. You know, I'll see you on the flip side. And Silver's just like, ugh, that was so stupid. Why did I say that? Hangman heads out. And we then go to the bar where Hardy and Hangman were hanging out. So Hangman's telling Hardy a story. Of course, ending up the punchline. It turns out it was Clinton Houston the whole time. They're both laughing. You know, they're still buzzing. You know, Hardy's still buzzing from the win last week. Not buzzing like Hangman is, though. 
He tells him, like, you're really putting it away. Cheers. Hardy pulls the old uh, dumping out drink, even though I drank it. Matt Hardy tells him, I know this is a great, this is a great time, and I know you don't want to be a tag team guy, but I could at least make you the number one wrestler in the entire industry. You could dominate AEW and become richer than your wildest dreams. We have such great chemistry. If you would just consider this deal, I could make you millions upon millions of dollars. And for the small, small percentage of 30%, because when you're making multi-millions, what does it matter? Amang's starting to agree with Hardy. Hardy then hands him a pen, and as he's whispering to the cameraman, they're trying to hear the document this, so there's proof in that Hangman can't go behind his word. What Hardy was missing the entire time was that Hangman pulling a fast one on Hardy. Throwing away the contract that Hardy wanted Hangman to sign with a document of his own. Hangman signs that portion. Hands it to Hardy and signs his own part. He tells Hangman, we're going to take care of all this. I promise you're going to be a billionaire. Hardy, uh, Hangman thanks him. And just, Hardy thanks Hangman, tells him to enjoy the rest of his night, heads out. Hangman asks the bartender for another round. But what Hardy doesn't realize is that he had a fast one pulled on him. Now, I'm sure we'll know probably either this week, this coming week, or, ne- or in the weeks to come leading to Revolution, Hardy will learn the hard way again. Never mess with a man who knows how to hold his liquor when you're trying to pull a fast one on a man who knows how to hold his liquor by trying to get him drunk to sign a contract that he can't get out of. Unfortunately for Hardy, we're not sure what, like I said, we don't know what the document holds. We don't know what the document says. But we'll discuss what happens this coming Wednesday coming up in the next segment. Next segment, we're going to be talking about what's going to be going down this week with, of course, the fall episode from NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day for the Black and Gold Standard and what will be going down on AEW Dynamite. When we come back on the other side of episode three of last week, this week, we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Will Tarasch, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. And I know how much you love our show, of course, with King Mickey Rose and Kate Murphy, as well as Young Lions Perspective, The Game Changer, and The Delight Show. If you like all that content you're asking, I want more. Will, where can I find more, Will? I need more content, Will. What else is out there, Will? Make sure you go over to our Patreon page, and for $5 a month or 17 cents a day, you can get so much more content from myself with WrestleWars, King Mickey Rose, Kate Murphy, The Delight Show, Fretzelmania, and more. $5 a day, $5 a day, $5 a month, $5 a day would be amazing, even better. Uh, 17 cents a day, $5 a month for all the content your little hearts can handle from Wrestle Addict Radio and your friends over at Wrestle Addict Radio. Make sure you go there, subscribe, $5 a month, 17 cents a day. Your support means the most to me as well as my other Wrestle Addict Radio compatriots. So please support us. That's how we continue to do our show for free. Patreon.com slash Wrestle Addict Radio. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, this is the last segment of last week, this week, and of course, we're talking about 
what to expect this coming Wednesday for both AEW Dynamite and NXT. And since NXT won the week this week, they get first crack of what's going to be going down. Now, unfortunately, for all y'all, usually I would have um, the NXT preview already up and ready to go. I looked and I looked and I searched and I tried. Fortunately, I couldn't find anything of a preview because everybody was on the Vengeance Day Dawn ride. So, um, not much of a preview, but we do know at least is that next, is this coming Wednesday, Karrion Cross and Santos Escobar finally get to go at it one on one. This has been building for quite some time. And of course, we spoke about this on the podcast before um, with Santos Escobar talking a bunch of smack, of course, about Big Balor. Gano, and of course he brought up Karrion Cross, um, saying you know he couldn't even keep his championship. Uh, TikTok, he's been pretty much goading him for the last couple of weeks. So finally, we get this match. We're finally gonna get Cross versus Escobar. And now this is now this is just me personally, because like I said, I am recording this on a Sunday. So whatever happens, uh, whatever happens on Sunday night, um, we'll talk about that. Uh, more so on the uh, preview of the uh, NXT Go for Vengeance Day review over uh, next weekend on Patreon, and make sure you head over uh, to patreon.com slash Radio if you want to check out my reviews uh, for pay-per-views, especially for NXT Takeover Vengeance Day, so you guys know. That's unfortunately all mostly what I have. Now, what I can assume what we'll be seeing for this one is, of course, the Fallout episode from NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, I'm assuming. Uh, and, and of course, here's one thing I think you guys should keep your eyes on as well. The fact that Dexter Loomis and Gar- Johnny Gargano are still at odds. Whatever happens, whatever happened, technically I'm speaking, last night, Dexter Loomis is still lo- is just looming uh, and waiting in the wings uh, for Johnny Gargano. And especially after what happened a few weeks ago uh, with him, of course, with him and yes, Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano, Loomis don't forget. Loomis has not forgotten. And I'm sure Loomis will definitely be uh, continuing to freak out Gargano and Theory and the way for some time. So we'll definitely, definitely, definitely see what happens with all of that, so I think Loomis and Gargano will start being a thing, possibly depending on how the NXT North American Championship shook out. Then you have, of course, the fallout from the uh, Destiny Rogues Tag Team Classic Tournament Finals. Who won that? And, of course, if you watched NXT over uh, Vengeance Day last night, we already know who won, and we will go on to that but then, you're, I, here's what I think. I think, honestly, now you'll start to see whoever wins both Dusty Cups, you'll start to see that push beginning towards WrestleMania for both teams. Um, more so along the lines of whoever wins the Women's Dusty Cup. Or whoever won the Dusty Women's Dusty Cup. Because of the fact that you'll see Last week, whoever wins this tournament will get a future shot at the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. I do say, though, whoever won this tournament... I did say whoever won this tournament was going to become the new WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. So I think it's time that an NXT Women's Tag Team actually take their rightful place as champions. 
honestly, on the main roster, you're making makeshift tag teams that don't work, don't really fit, and in my eyes, not, not I'm not the biggest fan of Nia Jax and Sheena Baszler as a tag team. I'm not a, I wasn't a fan of Oscar and Charlotte as a tag team. I'm not a fan of Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair being a tag team, Bailey or Carmella. I need tag teams like or, like the Riot Squad, and unfortunately, no longer the Iconics. Um, I need teams like that. Not we're just throwing makeshift teams together because we have no tag teams to run with. It's unfortunate because of the fact that you know this women's division can be so much better. The only uh, like the only two mainstay tag teams that right now are Flex Appeal, the team of uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, and then you have the Riot Squad, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. That's about it. That's all we got. So I think WrestleMania season. The closer we get to it, I think, you know, the winner of the Women's Dusty Cup, I think they'll get the Tag Team Championships this year. And I think they should have a long, solid run with it because it just makes all the freaking sense in the world. So we're going to have all the fallout from TakeOver Vengeance Day. And, of course, like I said, Cross versus Escobar. I expect that to be a very interesting matchup. Very, very fun matchup. And we're our one step closer to possibly Finn Balor carrying Cross. Sometime in the near future. Hopefully that happens. Some people have been saying Walter. It bees what it bees, of course, with the, with the whole Imperium thing. We'll see how everything shakes out from that. But that's kind of what we're looking for in terms of NXT this coming Wednesday. It's a lot of fallout. Um, of course, Cameron Grimes still around. Uh, you know, crypto millionaire. Lit. Chilling. Riding around in Porsches and Lambos. You know what I'm saying? Looking clean. We know K-Murphy don't like that. It's okay. It's okay, K. It's okay. We're fine. But, um, so that's kind of what we're looking forward to in terms of NXT. It's unfortunate that I couldn't find more information for you guys. I do apologize for that. That's 1-800-MY-BAD. And it's literally 1-800-MY-BAD. But, when we look over on the flip side of AEW Dynamite, they actually have a decent card for us. Um, going into this Wednesday, we have FTR taking on the team of Matt Seidel and his brother Mike Seidel in uh, action. Mike Seidel making his AEW Dynamite debut. Also in six-man, ta- actually an eight-man tag team action, Hangman Page and Matt Hardy after their uh, fun time at the bar the other night. Unfortunately for Matt Hardy not realizing um, you can, you know, he got played like a fiddle. Uh, Hangman Page will be teaming with Hardy and a private party to take on the Hybrid 2 and the Chaos Project in an eight-man tag team matchup. Sting, as we are on the road to AEW Revolution, will be calling out Team Taz. And they'll be very curious to see what happens when Sting does call out Team Taz. Because, remember, we don't know if he's going to be taking any bumps between now and Revolution, or maybe they may just wait till Revolution to have him take bumps. But if there was any time for Sting to start taking a couple bump skis, um, I would honestly say this Wednesday would definitely be the night to do it. Because it's going to get to a point where we need to see Sting take a couple bumps. It's going to hurt. We know he's 61 years old. He's going to be fine. I promise. It's, it's okay. We're fine. It's all good. We're good. Don't worry about it. I got it. Don't worry about it. Wait, that, uh, he's fine. We also have the first round match of the AEW Women's World Title Eliminator Tournament. Serena Deeb and Lil Miss Rio coming back to the States for the first time in God knows how freaking long. Feels like it's been forever. 
And Rio is back in first round action with the NWA Women's World Champion. This is a matchup I am interested in for the fact that Lil Miss Rio has been gone from the States for about a, about a year. It's been, I think it's been about a year because we haven't seen her in eight. We haven't seen her anywhere in AEW ever since I believe she lost the AEW Women's World Championship. Um, to Nyla, I think it was to Nyla Rose. And what many, what I would consider one of the greatest uh, AEW Women's title matches that we have seen in the history of the company in this young company so far. I expect Rio to win it, to win this matchup. I think Serena Deeb is a made woman. She's got a belt. She's straight. It's all good in the hood. I think Rio in her return to AEW will definitely get the victory and move on to um, the quarterfinals of the AEW Women's World Title Eliminated Tournament. Just makes sense. Um, I Like I said, I honestly don't know in terms of who I think will win this tournament because you're going to have one person from the United States, one person from Japan um, being in the finals of this matchup. So, Personally, if I'm going on the um, Japanese side, there are a couple of contenders you have over there. Emi Sakura, Asha Kong, uh, Maki Ito, who I uh, talked about last week, who I officially became a fan of one one time for the one time. Um, Shout out to Deadlock PW for uh, posting a video of Maki Ito and uh, because she fits my style so nicely. Uh, Giving middle fingers out like it's Halloween candy. It's a beautiful thing. Does her own theme song. I love it. It's fantastic, beautiful things. Um, I'm not exactly sure who's going to be in this tournament, who's going to win this tournament. But I'm sure at some point there will be some, you know, actual storylines going into it. Of course, Thunder Rosa made the first uh, wave, uh, advancing to the quarterfinals of the tournament. I have the strangest feeling that um, we may be getting the possibility of a Britt Baker-Thunder Rosa rematch sometime during this tournament. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not exactly sure, you know, what side of the, I don't know if they're in the same bracket, the quadrant of the bracket, or if they're in separate brackets and they may meet in the uh, U.S. finals portion of the program. We don't know. We'll see how all that goes. But I'm not exactly sure, you know, who's really going to win this tournament. And it makes me not so mad about it, but kind of curious to see how everything goes. Of course, uh, today, we're going to be, uh, I believe, begins the Japanese side of the tournament with, dang, I can't even think straight, um, you know, with the Japanese side of things being started, I believe uh, Hikaru Shida, AEW Women's World Champion, is going to be doing commentary as well, so if you guys are going to be checking out that, and that will be on, I believe, tonight, 7 p.m. on YouTube, and I think Tuesday night they're going to be uh, doing it again, same time, uh, same bat channel. Over there. So that's going to be an interesting thing. This is going to be the make or break for the women's division. As I stated a couple of weeks ago, this is your make or break deal. If this tournament does not, is not able to actually garner the foundation for, for a division for Ricardo Shida to stand on, then there's honestly, in my personal opinion, going to be no hope for this division. It's going to be tough, you know, because of the fact that, I've been saying this for the past year plus since I've started covering AEW uh, with Light the Fuse and now last week, this week. This is their biggest chance to really get something going for this division. This tournament has to be the deal. If it doesn't, then it's literally going to be just us us just, you know, 
just watching it just for the other stuff, but no, you know, women's women's division to actually be a fan of. I want to be a fan of this division. I want it to prosper. And I just want to see this actually be very well done. That's the key. And hopefully this tournament really starts bringing out some contenders, really brings new eyes to the division, especially on the Japanese side with names like uh, Ito. I believe, uh, I think they had other names up there because there was a couple of names that I'm curious about. See if I can find it, which would be wrong if I couldn't. Because uh, let me think, Venny was definitely uh, definitely one of the people I was definitely going to look at. Emmy Sakura in the tournament is definitely going to be solid. Um, I'm really excited about that. It's just a matter of them being able to pull this off. And because if they don't, again, like I said, this is definitely going to be one of those things where I'm going to be worried. I'm definitely going to be worried about this division 100% even even more than I already was. And, I mean, I remember Kenny Omega saying, you know, they want the division to be more featured. But, you know, if you don't get this popping, I don't know what's going to be. I don't know how it's going to work out for you because they really need – this tournament really needs to develop some contenders and really needs to develop new talent or the talent that they already have on the roster to make this a little bit better than it is. That's going to be my, that's going to be the tournament. That's going to be one thing I'm really going to keep my eye on going forward. And I'm what I'm really going to be focusing on. Maybe not talking about it on last week, this week, but I will be keeping an eye on this. This tournament has to be well done across the damn board. And I'm, what I'm assuming will be the main event for this coming Wednesday's AEW Dynamite. The Young Bucks will be, ch- will be going up against Santana and Ortiz for the AEW Tag Team Championships ahead of their championship defense against AEW. What should I say? AEW's uh, number one contenders right now, Chris Jericho and MJF. Huh. Yes. So how we did we get to this whole John? Glad you asked. So we had... Young Bucks chilling in the back, hanging out, talking with Dodge, talking about the tag team battle royal. Uh, MJF, Y2MJF won it in our challenges for the revolution. But what happened to the champions of being eliminated so early? Nick Jackson says, ask these guys. Out come the uh, Gallows and Anderson. Anderson saying, how about those numbers last week, boys? 844,000, to what? A measly little 610. We did that. Taking, of course, they're taking credit for the winning, uh, winning the ratings war that week. Uh, but the Bucks want to talk to them about showing up at the Tag Team Battle Royal. Anderson too sweet and Tony Khan. So, no, no, we need to address the problem. You interrupted me against Private Party. I got all distracted and boo, eliminated. Matt Jackson says, the idiots forgot that if we won, we could have chosen anyone to face them for the tag titles. And that anyone would have been y'all. Good Brothers versus Young Bucks of the Revolution. True dream match. Anderson apologizes and says the Good Brothers were just trying to uh, distract Private Shorty because of the upcoming match that we have against them on at No Surrender, which they had this past Saturday night. We didn't mean to mess y'all up. But who's the real heat with? Santana and Ortiz, who eliminated Matt. And then MJF and Jericho doing the Bucks pose? The very pose that built their big-ass net worth and mansion? Matt gets fired up about that. Matt and they tell them maybe you two shouldn't wait till revolution. What if it was next week? 
Santana and Ortiz are a top-ranked team, so we can make this happen. Bucks and proud and powerful for the tag titles. Good Brothers are like, yes, ratings monsters. That's too sweet. Matt's like, eh, that's more of a private thing. No. Sting is like right there, and it's awkward. Nick, Nick's like, I'll too sweet. <laughs> Stinger, and then they say, Stinger, do you want to know this? So the plan gets made, and that's how we got Bucks defending the tag team championships against Santana and Ortiz. Not a bad matchup. Uh, definitely one I am going to be happy to see because of the fact that it's two tag teams that I am a huge fan of. Should be a good tag team matchup. A little, little warm-up before they are able to face Jericho and MJF for the tag titles at AEW Revolution. We'll see how all of that goes down. But this Wednesday should be a very nice little situation. Uh, we will see if AEW can bounce back from now being uh, from losing the last two and even things back up at two and breaking the two-week win streak for NXT. We'll see how all that goes down when we talk about it next Monday. But that's going to conclude episode three of last week. This week, when we come back, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 297 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for episode 3 of last week. This week, again, NXT. Now on a two-win streak. Two weeks in a row. Will AEW be able to even the series up at 2-2? We're going to stick around until next Monday to find out. I hope you guys enjoy this episode so, so much because I enjoy doing it as much as possible because this is what I love to do. Of course, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, if you thought AEW actually took this week and it should be 2-1 AEW, let me know. If you believe in your heart of hearts, NXT was the right choice to for the W this week, let me know. Hit me up with an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Do not hesitate to leave a voice message over on anchor.fm slash younglionsperspective or anchor.fm slash wrestle addict radio leave a comment over on ambiguous podcast solutions.com feel so inclined lots of couple shekels to your boy you know one time for the one time of course you can hit me up on all my social medias you can hit me up on my twitter at yl perspective of course i do live tweeting for aew dynamite every wednesday smackdown live every friday every live AEW pay-per-view, every live WWE pay-per-view, every NXT and NXT UK takeover special like I did last night. Over on the Twitter, thank, thank. And of course, if it's 3.30 in the morning, I have nothing else better to do because I can't seem to go back to sleep. It bees what it bees. I do live tweet for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you want to find me over on my Instagram, you can find me there at young underscore lions underscore perspective, giving you all the updates on the shows. Social Saturday things, all the good stuff across the board. It bees what it bees. And of course, all my Instagram posts go straight to my Facebook, which you can find me over there at Young Lions Perspective, all one word, or simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Like the page, share the page, make damn sure that you follow the page. We have over 100 followers over there, and I want to thank you guys so much for your continued love and support over on Facebook. Much appreciated. Keep pimping to tell a friend to tell a friend, feel me? I'm going to keep this short and sweet. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I do all the fun stuff on Fridays. But just in case you didn't know, because we got to clean up some things. Uh, if you didn't check out our uh, the War Room, the newest episode of the War Room from yesterday, make sure you go check that out. We'll be uh, myself and King Ricky Rose with our preview and predictions for NXT Takeover Vengeance Day. I know it's already passed, but yay. You never know. You might want to check it out and see how well we did and see how well you did against us. It means what it means. It's a good thing. I had a fun time doing it with, uh, with Ricky. It was just so much fun to do. And hopefully we get to do it somewhere down the line again. Uh, hopefully bringing on someone, maybe bringing in someone from the poor uh, family or someone from the outside. Who knows? But definitely would love to make this a regular thing. And if you did check it out, leave a comment over on the YouTube, our YouTube page at WrestleLetic Radio. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about it. Let us know what you thought. Did did we get it wrong? Did we suck? Leave a like, share it, get the, get the world out there. Yes, we're on YouTube side of things as well because, well, we like YouTube just as much as y'all do. So make sure you go check that out. Also, while we're at it, make sure you go check out the Articles of War page over at writteninwar.wordpress.com. You can find all of the articles over there from our featured writers, The Pen Fatale, Kitty Frost, Sylvia Knox, and Dirk Justice, whether your thing is fanfic or looking for a solid opinion article, they've got all that over there. I believe uh, Freeze Your Heart Chapter 7 Part 3 is out, so you can definitely go check that out if you've been following it from uh, Kitty Frost, doing her fanfic thing. We got, the tip, of course, the tip of the crown uh, for last week, actually uh, actually from a few days ago, just came out, uh, so you can check out the match of the week and King of the Night from the KRTR KOTR podcast, as well as the top 10 tweets from the tip of the crown from February 8th. So we got a little something, something going on. Uh, make sure you go definitely check that out as soon as you possibly can. Bookmark it. Again, it is writteninwar.wordpress.com. Make sure you go check that all out and make sure you go check out the featured articles, uh, featured articles, as well as the featured writers that I spoke about before. As well, make sure you head your butt over to my Spring store. You got to. You just got to do it. It just makes sense. Now, it's a little bit different now. So I'm going to put you up on game real quick and let you know that the new uh, thing thing is young-lions-perspective.creator-spring.com. All right. You can find all of the entire YLP collection. Of course, I got stuff for the men, the women's, and of course, the young cubs out there as well as accessories like the die cut sticker that I actually have on my laptop right now. Um, the YLP socks, which are a little bit comfier than you actually think. Uh, I got the coffee mug, and of course, I gotta get the YLP t-shirt because you know it, it's just the thing thing. It's just the thing thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Of course, you can get in, uh, more than what you bargained for: beach towels, wall tapestries. You can get kids tees, kids and toddler tees, um, crew neck sweatshirts, which I like to call affectionately call the Carlton, the women's boyfriend tee, the women's premium V neck tee hoodies. All, all the stuff you can find over there at, again, young-lions-perspective.creator-spring.com. That is the new website. Um, if you have the old one, uh, young-lions-perspective.mytspring.com, it'll immediately get you over to the new website. So um, get that in there. Get it bookmarked so that way you can go over there anytime you want to and get yourself some wonderful merch from the YLP collection. And hopefully sooner rather than later, we might do a little bit of a, what I like to call a revamp, um, given the fact that uh, the new logo of the Young Lions Perspective podcast is now out. So make sure you head your butt over there and check out the merch and get you some some for a friend today. This Friday. 
episode 297 of the YLP Podcast goes down, where we talk about the news of the week, all the news that's fit for me to talk about, everything that happened of the last seven days we're going to be talking about. Who knows what news may be coming out this week, and it's only Monday, so we got, I'm sure there'll be a lot to cover between now and this coming Friday. All Again, the best way to kick off your weekend is by checking out the news of the week for episode 297 of the YLP podcast. Other than that, though, I'm getting the hell out of here because, you know, it's dinner time and I am quite hungry. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. If you're going to watch Raw, as I always say, my condolences to your sanity. If you're going to be checking out the uh, Japanese side of the uh, AEW Women's World Title Eliminator Tournament, uh, enjoy it. Let me know in my socials what you thought about it. I may check it out um, during the week, so we'll get into all of that as well. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I'll see you guys right back here this Friday for episode 297 of the YLP Podcast. See you! This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.